Hello and welcome to Being Well. I'm Forrest Hansen. So today we have a bit of a different episode for you. In our last episode, we started our conversation on loneliness by looking at the roots of loneliness, both genetically and in our environment, how we can be surrounded by other people and still feel lonely, and how loneliness creeps into even what should be some of the most rewarding and connecting experiences of our lives. During our conversation on some of the heritable and non-heritable factors, I shared a personal story of my own relationship with loneliness growing up. The episode was running a little bit long, and it was both pretty personal and in the moment a little bit of a tangent, so I actually ended up cutting it from my original edit of the episode. After thinking about it a little, I decided to include it as its own little special episode here. It and Rick's response illustrate a key concept from psychology, the importance of forming a coherent narrative about what actually happened during childhood and how those childhood experiences inform who we are today. My hope is that it might serve as an example of someone who went through their own challenges with this material, even though their natural temperament may not seem particularly, well, lonely from the outside. Here it is. I hope you enjoy it. To give kind of one other um, additional piece of information on that connection between the social and the genetic, I'm just going to kind of share a personal story here for a second. So we've actually been doing something kind of entertaining inside of our family recently that I would encourage other people to do if they, you know, are so moved to. And that we've actually been watching little baby videos (laughs) of me and my sister because as we've been doing the podcast and I've sort of wandered into the personal development world more and more, I've been fascinated kind of by my own development, which, you know, might sound a little, you know, self-centered or egotistical, but we all have to kind of create a coherent narrative of our childhood. It's yes. a big part of the process of becoming human. Like what happened there exactly? And why am I the way that I am? You know, that respecting of the genetic factors and also bringing in the social factors. And I don't want to speak for my sister here at all, but I think that any objective observer of our two temperaments as children would kind of put me in the classically extroverted, energetic, interacting with other people, really craving a lot of attention. I really wanted people to be paying attention to me very clearly in these videos where I'm doing a variety of ridiculous things. Whereas Laurel was so clearly, stably kind of internalized and separate from people as a small human, you know, as a a baby, as a toddler and so on. And I think that it would be fair to put her at that point in time, at least in the classically slow to warm category. So one might say, based on just those genetic factors, you know, it wouldn't be unreasonable to say, oh, Laurel had a little bit more of a predisposition for loneliness than Forrest did. Okay, but then the world happens, right? I venture out into the world as this precocious and energetic and attention-seeking individual, and then stuff happens. One of the things that happened is, as you said before, I changed schools a lot during elementary. I, I think that I was at three or four different schools in five years. No problem there, nobody's fault. It was all based on good decisions at the time. But I constantly had the experience of feeling like a new person in a group. Then just developmentally, I had some temperament-based interactions with other kids where I was really energetic and engaged and craving all of their attention. And, you know, a four-year-old doesn't necessarily want to give that to another four-year-old. So I had a lot of those experiences of feeling like my very high bar for the needs of attention, social stimulation, support, love, all of those good impulses was not quite being met. 
And over time, this led to a process where I started to feel pretty socially isolated as a kid in elementary and middle and even high school based on a combination of factors, based on temperament, my own needs for a lot of social supplies, based on probably a little bit of genetic predisposition, maybe being a little low serotonin, low dopamine, whatever it might be. And then also just on social experiences happening out in the world, changing schools, interactions with other kids that were a little problematic, the kind of compounding factors of these things. And all of a sudden, I start feeling pretty lonely, even as somebody who probably had a pretty strong genetic predisposition to feeling connected to others. So you can see just there through my own illustration how this is all a very kind of complicated stew. Well, as a psychologist, I think it's an <laughs> excellent summary of a case. And as your father, I'm like, oh no, what happened? I know, right? But that's And here you are. And yeah, still, exactly. such, a, such a poignant and super clear mm. accounting. And it's really true. Yeah. And I would encourage anyone who's listening, who's interested in doing a procedure like that to do it, because certainly in terms of my self-conception, I found it remarkably clarifying as a developmental story and really helped to put a lot of stuff in my life currently into kind of a proper perspective. One of the things I've done a lot with people fairly often as a therapist is to ask them to bring in uh, pictures uh, just whatever you can lay your hands on easily from your childhood, mm, mm-hmm. a few dozen. And let's just look at the faces together, starting almost chronologically when you're really young and moving forward. And it's invariably a very powerful and haunting and sometimes revelatory experience in mm. a lot of ways, including the ways in which when you look at the pictures of uh, the faces of kids, including yourself, you can see things. Recently, I was looking at a, some, a man uh, was showing me a picture, a series of pictures of himself as a kid. Mm. And it's crystal clear that he is radiant and wise and just a beaming space of love as a three-year-old. And his older brother in the picture mm. as a five-year-old is grumpy, disconnected, jealous, and putting on a fake smile for the camera. And... In that picture is so much. And then the man confirmed to me and told me, he was now 55, 60, said, yeah, my, my, I was terribly picked on by my older brother. He hated me. That was a major factor for me in my childhood. And yet you can see that his inner being is pure and innocent and faultless. And seeing that in himself was healing mm. and freeing mm-hmm. to realize wrong place, wrong time, bummer, but it wasn't about me mm-hmm. fundamentally. Yeah. More about the circumstances. It was no failure on your part for us mm-hmm. that it led to those things. It was a collection of many causes, many factors. And there's something kind of freeing to about getting that. Yeah, absolutely. And there's kind of a dance between those two things, right? We're wandering a little bit off topic here, but here we are. Kind of the question of how much responsibility is the right amount of responsibility, right? I think that it's appropriate and intelligent to acknowledge the things that you did as a child, as a young adult, as a whatever, that were problematic. I certainly had a lot of behaviors as a child, a young adult, and et cetera, that were, you know, problematic, but they were nested inside of the reality of being an eight-year-old or being a 13-year-old or being a 17-year-old or whatever it is. And I think that we can really kind of hold on to that trauma material very naturally, very understandably, and become 
a little excessively self-flagellating about it. Yeah. Because you were a kid, you know, stuff happens. You have weird interactions with other people on the playground. Assuming that no one was permanently scarred by these interactions, it's all really okay and it's all really part of just the, the larger developmental picture. So there's that balance, right, between accepting appropriate responsibility and really viewing yourself through the lens of the adult that you are now and kind of shrugging and giving it the old, you know, at, the, at a certain point, it's just a kid. So I want to kind of weave our way back into the broader topic of loneliness, which is what we're focusing the episode on. But I think that that was hopefully a really useful exploration. So that's it for today's special short episode. The material we talked about today was something I've been thinking about a lot recently, and I hope you found it useful. We'll be back with part two of our conversation on loneliness the week after next. Next week, we're going to be featuring an interview with a fascinating expert on the subject of managing chronic pain, which is a huge topic for very many people. I hope you'll check it out. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.